0: All right, we're live. Let's do it. Let's let's get cracking. Time to get back at it.
1: Uh, Today we're going to talk about the British filmmaker Edgar Wright. It's uh, definitely most famous for his Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy. It's a handful of uh, directing credits behind him as a whole. But those are definitely the ones he's most famous for. Uh, I don't think both of us have seen all of his work, but we've seen enough, I think, to uh, cover him. And I certainly love those Coronado movies enough to have a good conversation.
0: I've seen all of those. I think I'm only missing. Well, his TV show, which you were probably about to introduce
1: yeah so unfortunately I'm not familiar with his TV work which is how his career really started uh he made a very low budget movie called A Fistful of Fingers which you could guess what that's based off of um it, it came out like a couple weeks after I was born uh 1995
0: to be clear yes yeah let's I don't I don't think that everyone knows that you were when when you were
1: born. They don't need to know either.
0: Well, that's <laughs> out of the bag.
1: Yeah, it came out uh, in November of 1995. Uh, I've never seen it. I don't even know how to find it because it's just like a no budget spoof of, uh, you know. Fistful of dollars and good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, but that got him just enough attention as a, you know, competent filmmaker that he started working in TV shows. So he wrote and directed a show called Asylum and then he worked on a series of shows none of which I'm familiar with except for the last one he did which was called Spaced. Uh all of this time he was also working with Edgar or, uh Simon Pegg and a lady named Jessica Stevenson and they were involved in pretty much writing all of these shows. Um uh, Spaced is definitely the thing that launched the the two of them, as in Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright and the other writing partner, Jessica Stevenson, to being fairly famous. And it helped uh, Pegg and Wright to actually transition into making feature length films. Uh, Spaced is something I've been meaning to watch for years. It's supposed to be really funny, like dark comedy. Uh, probably not dissimilar from Peep Show. Mm, yeah, that that would be a very fun episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we'll we'll get around to that. Uh, Nick Nick Frost is also in Spaced. Who would go on to uh be one of the main characters in Shaun of the Dead? But I I think that's really the only background I need to give on Edgar Wright um, before he started making movies. Like he was just one of those guys who knew from being a little kid that he wanted to make uh films. He was obsessed with like coming up. I think he grew up in the 80s, he was born in the 70s, so he was obsessed with like uh spaghetti westerns, a lot of American comedies. I know for a fact that um, an American werewolf in London was a huge influence on him. Mm, uh, he was that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Can definitely a see that big fan of uh, some of the Sam Raimi movies, specifically Evil Dead 2 and the Coen brothers raising Arizona. And I mean. Combining those three movies alone, just in terms of tone, not necessarily like craftsmanship, have, have are, there's clear spots of those movies in in everything he's made. But yeah, he uh, he transitioned pretty successfully into into filmmaking with Shaun of the Dead, which was an immediate hit and is definitely a like cult classic now.
0: Apparently, um, he if, did a a superhero inspired movie card called carbolic soap and also a dirty hairy tribute called dead right which was an early short film of his
1: mm. yeah i mean you can definitely see uh huh. <laughs> dirty hairy influence in yeah in hot fuzz his so these cornetto movies are like an amazing combination of spoof satire and homage that kind of just hits all the notes Mm -hmm. i would say in a manner artistically similar to quentin tarantino but in terms of his voice as a filmmaker and as an artist is wildly different um they both do use a ton of dolly zooms and a lot of like whip pans and wipes like editing wise oh yeah um and i that you can tell a lot of that just comes from the fact that both of them are enormous fans of Sergio Leone, um, especially for like a lot of those steady cam tracking shots that are all over the Coronetto trilogy.
0: hmm. Yeah, so uh, I I did hear you say at least one of the movies that's in the trilogy. I don't know if you identified each of them.
1: No, good point. It is Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and The World's End. Uh, yeah. So Shaun of the Dead is um, basically a, a British comedy version of Night of the Living Dead. Uh, Hot Fuzz is harder to pin down as being a remake of one movie, but we'll, I think we'll get to those two after Shaun of the Dead. Because Shaun of the Dead is the most sort of straightforward of the three and is definitely the smallest budgeted of the three. Uh, it It has more of a I wouldn't say amateur feel to it because it is like an expertly crafted movie. Um, Mm -hmm. But it has a much smaller feeling like there are far more scenes of the characters just sort of in a room Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's them in an apartment. It's them in a house. It's them in a bar, which does repeat in the following two. Sort of uh, installments in the trilogy, but I think it's more apparent in this one, but. None of them feel out of place because the character work is there. Uh, So I guess before we dive into maybe what the movie does well or uh, some of the themes of it, I'll just give a brief synopsis. Um, For those not familiar with Night of the Living Dead or any of the other, like, George Romero zombie movies, um, basically it's about a guy named Sean who is just a, like, late 20s-year-old... electronics salesman who just lives sort of a a boring life and lives with his slacker friend played by Nick Frost. And they just kind of hang out and watch TV and watch movies. Uh, They're not really going anywhere. There's clear discord in Sean's relationship with his girlfriend because she wants him to sort of go to the next level and move out and move in with her and leave his friend Ed behind who's kind of holding him back and keeping him as a uh, a a do-nothing kind of man Uh, but then a zombie apocalypse breaks out and in the first scene of the sort of apocalypse happening Sean isn't even aware so he's just sort of wandering around uh, (laughs) London and there's just zombies in the background like eating people and he has no idea it takes a while before he and Ed figure it out because their roommate who they both hated uh, is a zombie and they end up killing him Basically, they then go on a journey throughout their part of London, which I think is called, yeah, Crouch End. Uh, I'm not very familiar with the layout of London, but um, basically, they go on an odyssey through this area of London and end up having to pick up like Sean's other friends, like his girlfriend, his girlfriend's friends, Sean's mother uh, and eventually everyone holds up back at the bar that Sean and his friend Ed love going to. And basically everyone is consumed by the zombies except for Sean and his girlfriend. Uh, and then at the end, he keeps his friend Ed on a leash because he's still unable to let him go. Yeah, uh, which is a, a th- there's a lot of uh, like this is a really, really well written movie. Um, it's very well directed as well, like the Just the pacing is excellent. Shot choice, shot length. Um, The writing and the directing just go hand in hand, and this is written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, and you can tell that they were just on the same page for everything. So Pegg's delivery as the actor, along with the chemistry between not only Pegg and Frost, but Pegg, Frost, and Wright together as a trio is just on full display in this one and uh, in the next two films in the in the trilogy
0: yeah one of my favorite things about this movie is that it opens with like such a simple concept and you're like oh okay like this is like pretty boring like whatever like very very simple uh guy living with another guy going nowhere boring life whatever um yeah which is obviously like extremely boring but then the other thing that's really fun about this movie is that it it is an homage to zombie movies while also making fun of them in some ways, like mm-hmm. not it's not even like making fun of the movies themselves, but making fun of a lot of like horror tropes. And it it brings you into it. Uh, sorry, I don't want to like analyze it too much, just like more like what I enjoy about it. Um but yeah, like you're in there with him and experiencing it and like you have fun of being like, uh, dude, those are zombies. Like those people aren't just like crawling around for no reason and eating people. I don't even remember why they don't see the zombies initially, if they're like really stressed or they're just no, bumbling buffoons that okay. they're just
1: so absorbed in the sort of mediocrity of their day to day existence that they don't notice them.
0: Right. Which clearly there's some metaphors there going on.
1: Yeah, well, that's I think what makes this a brilliant movie is not only that it has a very simple concept, like at its core, it's just Sean is unable to let go of his old friend to move on to be like with his girlfriend or essentially marry her and start a family or something. Mm hmm because i think that's fundamentally it and the zombies and the apocalypse in the movie are the metaphor of like you know that crashing down on him that he needs to let this go in order to evolve and change which he doesn't want to do and ultimately can't do which makes the ending which is kind of like a satisfying conclusion tragic because he's not able to move on and so even though the ending is that like he and his girlfriend survive um and they're like saved by the British Army, like. He hasn't really learned his lesson, like he's not able to let Ed grow. So there's just this like lack of romantic conclusion. Can't Uh, let him grow and can't let him go. Exactly. And that I I think that makes this a really great intro for people who want to get into horror movies or who are like unsure about them because they think they might be scary because this has some elements of tension that are done well. But they're broken up very, very consistently with humor that doesn't take away from the seriousness of both the emotional stakes or the actual survival stakes.
0: And they're also done so decisively that, you know, when the characters are safe and there are a few jump jump scares, if you will. But they yeah. it, it does like, as you said, it baptizes you for future forays into horror if you're interested
1: yeah, well, not only because some horror movies are just there's a monster or a supernatural force or something scary that just exists because we wanted to make a scary movie. But this movie doesn't do that. This movie only uses the horror as a like a vehicle to get the emotional stakes of Sean's life from point A to point B, which yeah. is how is he able to grow or not grow? <clears throat> yep. And the I mean, there's tons of go ahead.
0: No, I was going to say, do you want to do you want to go through each of these and like analyze them or you want to like work our way back through all of them after we introduce the movies? How do you want to do it?
1: Yeah, you're right. We can go we can do a little of hot fuzz and then like summarize sort of hot fuzz and world's end and then kind of go through all three together because as a trilogy, it's they're obviously not. um, Narratively connected. But there are a lot of similar actors. They're they're very similarly written and share a lot of thematic uh, elements, which just makes it an all time great trilogy, even if it's not you know one contiguous story.
0: Plus, Coronetto just makes it sound like more official. Like it just it just yeah. sounds like more of like a ooh like look at this like really like kind of interesting and almost academic like film language, even though Cornetto just refers to like ice cream cones.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the so it's called the Cornetto trilogy for two reasons. One is that in every movie there's just like a hilarious use of Cornetto ice cream that they just they pointed out. It'd be like the same as calling it the Windex trilogy. But I think there's something deeper there with actually choosing ice cream as the device. Um but yeah, the there's also the fact that it you know it's Italian ice cream, Coronetto, which references the fact that it's a direct uh, direct link to the Fistful of do- the Man with No Mo- No Name trilogy, which may yes. not pop up as much in these films, but is clearly a huge influence on Wright and his work, for
0: sure. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, moving on to Hot Fuzz. So Shaun of the Dead came out in 2004. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hot Fuzz comes out in 2007. And if you saw Shaun of the Dead first and then watched Hot Fuzz, it's like, as you said, it is connected, like, thematically as well as, like, character. I mean, obviously, they pretty much have the same actors uh, in addition to some other people as well. But
1: Well, yeah, Simon Pegg is the star of all three and Nick Frost is like the lead supporting character in all three.
0: Mm -hmm. And then Hot Fuzz, where Shaun of the Dead is spoofy and an homage to zombie movies. Uh, Hot Fuzz is spoofy and an homage to just like vague action slash uh, like detective mystery Movies,
1: I would say, yeah, each of these uh, elements of the trilogy can be sort of described as being a combination of two distinct genres, which would be a zombie horror film for hot, fuzz, like zombie horror mixed with rom com, hot fuzz is a slasher movie mixed with a buddy cop comedy, mm-hmm. and then world's end is, uh, <laughs> like I guess just a science fiction sort of a not coming of age, but like reconciling with age. Uh, so it's like sci fi mixed with. I, I don't know that there's a word for that. There may be.
0: He yeah, it, any way you cut it. um <clears throat> Wright does love genre bending. Um
1: Yeah, he's he like of, firmly a genre filmmaker,
0: like like more of like a pastiche, I guess mm. you could say. Um. But yeah, so Hot Fuzz is is like, I guess you could say like buddy cop, uh, right? So it's it's spoofing a lot of like like bad boys esque um, tropes and scenes like sliding across car um, <laughs> cars and <laughs> guns.
1: Lethal Weapon, Point Break, yeah. Executive Decision, Bad Boys. I mean, these are movies schlock. in the movie that they reference repeatedly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Just heavy
0: it... heavy on the schlock.
1: Yeah, if, if Shaun of the Dead is like a perfectly executed script that at times feels a little like small stakes, this is just uh, like takes it to another level. Schlock, like the...
0: Frost, and One Smoking Barrel. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Shame. Shame. <laughs> There's a great scene late in the movie. So i guess we'll describe the plot real quick. Um <laughs> the, the the plot is basically if you combined um the wicker man and point break, but without a heist. Uh so for those who haven't seen those movies, um uh, Sean Pegg, uh, or Simon Pegg, sorry, plays a really effective cop um, who gets promoted, but he's making his superiors look bad. And so instead of being like promoted higher up the like Metropolitan Police ladder, they reassign him to like a really, really quiet town out in the rural countryside of uh, Gloucester. Gloucester which is notorious for like always winning like village of the year uh, in England. And so basically, it's assumed that he just will not be able to do anything there because there's never any crime. But his like first day there, he immediately just starts arresting people like people who are loitering kids who are drinking underage. He arrests Nick Frost for drunk driving. Only to find out that Nick Frost is both a cop and the son of the like head of the police. Uh, that
0: scene <clears throat> that scene when they they're interrogating like the underage kids in the bar.
1: <laughs> When's your birthday? Uh, February first? What year every year? <laughs> get out <laughs> yeah, this this is, I think, maybe my favorite comedy of all time. Uh, This movie is so funny, like it is nonstop laughs like every single line is a joke and the camera movement and all of the editing decisions are not only motivated by the plot and the emotional stakes, which we'll get to, but they're also motivated by the jokes and the humor. And so just both visually and writing wise, it's entirely made into a comedy.
0: And also the editing is a distinct (laughs) masterclass. Like yeah. it just is a masterclass.
1: Yeah, this was edited by a man named Chris Dickens. Uh, who has a very odd uh, filmography behind him Um, because he's not gone on to like edit any masterpieces, but somehow he he did edit Slumdog. Oh, I thought you were
0: going guess... to say he was canceled or something when you made mm-hmm. that face like, yeah, he has some odd uh, predilections.
1: No, 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 no. Not that I'm aware of. Um, All right.
0: Definitely my bad. Not trying to sully this man's name.
1: Uh, So anyway, back on point, the the movie ends up being about how. um, So so Simon Pegg's character's name is Nicholas Angel. (laughs) So so Angel uh, goes about trying to like solve the community's problems of which there are very few. Because there is a neighborhood watch, which is called the Neighborhood Watch Alliance or the NWA, who (laughs) ensures that there's no crime in the town. And he starts to notice like very weird things happening. And then suddenly there are a bunch of gruesome murders that happen consecutively, which is why I say this is like a slasher movie mixed with a buddy cop comedy. But it's all shot through the lens of something like the wicker man where there's a conspiracy and you're not sure what it is. And basically it turns out that the N.W.A. is just a cult that. um, makes sure that there's no crime or or ruffians of any kind, and so they just murder anyone that makes their village not a model village, which is a a point of order that is pushed to the extreme whenever there's an actual like the movie crescendos with him fighting Timothy Dalton, the actor behind me here in a model village of the town
0: <laughs> who ultimately gets gets got by a building in in the model itself, doesn't it like yeah. go like through his jaw? Through, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, it's really brutal a church steeple, which ironically or coincidentally or brilliantly was used earlier in the movie to murder someone because they pushed like a piece of a church steeple off and landed on a journalist. Um uh, But yeah, that, that's the plot. Basically, he discovers there's a conspiracy and then roots them out. And then he and his friend go about uh arresting every single perpetrator of the conspiracy. So even though they like shoot them all and beat them up, somehow none of them die. And the movie ends with all of them going to jail in like a funny montage.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a fun ending um, it. It. Uh, I don't know. It It does feel a bit fast paced at the end in some ways, like. That would be my only critique of it. Sorry, I don't want to critique it too much. We'll we'll move on. We'll we'll it, get going.
1: Yeah, well, it is. Uh, no, I don't disagree. I think the ending feels rushed, but it is also just a comedy ending where they just load up with guns and start shooting everyone. <laughs> like he rides into the town on a horse with like two double-barreled shotguns. Exactly. But uh, just like Shaun of the Dead, this one starts with him being in a relationship and the relationship ends because he's never able to quote turn off the thinking part of his brain that makes him an excellent detective and police officer and so the whole point of the movie is his relationship that he forms with the oddball that Nick Frost plays is that Nick Frost wants him to turn his brain off and be able to enjoy life and make friends uh but unfortunately, just like with Shaun of the Dead, the tragedy is even though he solves this crime and decides to stay in this village, it's not made clear that he is able to turn his brain off. Yep. Can't
0: can't change change himself. <clears throat> uh Yeah, I I guess this is a good time to just go to uh the world's end.
1: Yeah, might as well so we can sort of circle back. Not to
0: be confused with several other titles that sound similar.
1: Yeah, not not the off maligned Pirates of the Caribbean 3 at World's End, but <sighs> The World's End.
0: Or that, that comedy that came out like a few years after. Or no, it came out I think the year before, This is the End. Yeah. As well, I think it came out the year before. Yeah, like 2012 or 2011, something like that.
1: Yeah, so Uh, Wright did end up directing Scott Pilgrim versus the world in between Hot Fuzz and The World's End,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, but we'll circle back around to that later. Um, This one, just like all three of them are written by Peg and Wright and directed by Wright. Um, So this one, I, I guess what I was trying to describe earlier is it's kind of like a hangout movie. Because the conceit is that these old friends from high school, who have not seen each other in decades, decide to return to their hometown to do a pub crawl, but eventually it just becomes an alien invasion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and exactly. so Simon Pegg, once again the protagonist, plays a fellow by the name Gary King, who is like a, it's unlike the uh, Hot Fuzz movie, he's just like an alcoholic degenerate who wants to recapture his youth, and so he tricks his four old friends into coming together uh, for one last glorious ride. And so there's all of this simmering tension throughout the movie of why their friendships broke down over time and how he was not able to move on from his glory days of being like the cool kid in high school who just wanted to do this glorious 12 pub crawl. <laughs>
0: was it the high school or
1: college? High school. Oh. I mean it's British, so their version of high school is a little different. But yeah, it's not university. It's it's like their high school.
0: Mm, gotcha. Uh um, did not realize that.
1: Just like the other two, it has a very similar visual style, tons of amazing dolly zooms, wipes, cuts, pans, uh, lots of great steady cam tracking shots. The comedy is motivated by the visual. The writing is super quick, super sharp. Um this one the action is even more extreme which I think sort of takes away from it but um, ultimately they do the pub crawl and about halfway through they realize what's happening because they have a fight with a kid in a bathroom and it turns out the kid is like some kind of alien and they uncover a conspiracy where uh, the town is basically all aliens and they've just been replacing the people with weird blue paint filled clones and the goals the goal is that the aliens just want to help the humans and don't think that they need the humans to be alive to do it Mm -hmm. and so they like the humans that are replaced are still sort of human but not really they're mostly just fakes um and so at the end only Mm -hmm. Nick Frost Simon Pegg and one of their other friends uh Patty Considine who is a great actor Oh my uh, God. Yeah. Who also is in hot Fud. There There's quite a few character over uh character actor overlaps, but yeah,
0: I was looking at a chart that, that, uh, graphed out with check marks, basically like, like Martin Freeman. You have, you have obviously Simon mm-hmm. Pegg, Nick Frost, uh, a few other guys, Bill Nighy
1: as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bill Nighy's in Shaun of the Dead and in this one, um, Eddie Marsden, I believe, is also in Hot Fuzz. Um, There's probably a handful of others that are somewhere in at least two of the three movies. Um, And just like how ex-James Bond, Timothy Dalton is in Hot Fuzz, Pierce Brosnan plays a similar role in The World's End.
0: Holy shit, I forgot about Timothy Dalton being Bond. That's definitely like a very critical piece that they play off of. Yeah, just completely forgot about that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, they they basically, these three make it to the world's end, which turns out to be like on top of the aliens, like sort of home base. And so the three characters who are left, led by Gary King, tell the aliens off because basically they view personal freedom as being more important than the possibility of human perfection. And so the aliens just leave Earth. They're like, fine, because they just get berated. Like Gary King's like, fuck you, piss off. Which I I think is a great moment. Uh, <laughs> uh, they leave and it ends up like causing some gigantic explosion. They have to drive away. From, there's all this like s- stupid sci-fi gobbledygook. Uh, but then it ends with like, the ending is kind of weird where it's like Nick Frost around a campfire with children telling how Gary King is out there somewhere, like helping the clones that were left behind reintegrated to post Armageddon Society (laughs) the ending is kind of this of the three movies. This one has the least tight uh, narrative script, but I think the emotional core is still there because mainly the um, the core of the movie is about Gary King's inability to move on because he was like a legendary party animal. But part of his party animal facade resulted in him faking an overdose on heroin and forcing his Nick Frost friend to drive drunk to the hospital, which resulted in Nick Frost crashing the car and being like severely injured. And after the crash, Peg, who wasn't overdosing, got up and left. And so that was part of the reason why they their friendship ended and why Nick Frost's character hates him for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, But basically, just like the other movies, Gary King is not able to move on even by the end, even though the ending sort of implies that he's, you know, now the king of these robot clone things to help reintegrate society. that this one thematically, I think, doesn't um, tie as neat a bow as the other two. For sure.
0: Definitely, I would agree with that.
1: But just like the other two movies, this one, it pushes the, the drinking to an extreme since the drinking is actually part of a plot because pubs and stuff play a huge role in all three films.
0: Yeah, and that, that kind of also pushes this even more into that like Hangout movie because, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would be very interested to, to see a graph or chart that breaks down how many people have watched this sober <laughs> and how many people haven't.
1: I've watched this sober multiple times.
0: No, I I, I wasn't accusing you. I was more <laughs> saying that, like, I, I'm I'm curious how many people watch it and they're like they they just aren't drinking. And then how many mm-hmm. people are like, oh, he has a beer. I could use it. I could use yeah. I could use a pint as well, because it's just like watching someone do something like watching someone eat food makes you hungry as well. Salivating. Yeah. Do you want to loop back to uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World then?
1: Uh, I I think we could talk about these three as a whole like what the trilogy is sort of about and the meanings of yeah. each like cuz Yeah,
0: let's let's put a capstone on these three then and then move to his other stuff. I think it's yeah. a good to call.
1: Cuz as much as Edgar Wright is an auteur whose vision is very clear in all of his work, I think these three films have a very different edge and energy to them, especially with the tragic nature of the endings, which is quite different from his other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's some thematic elements like personal freedom versus conformity that are across all three of these, and they all take the side of personal freedom being the most important thing to the character's detriment. I mean, it's funny in Hot Fuzz because he's like, The law and order man, and so he becomes the opposite where he's imposing order into a chaotic world, but we're shown that the NWA in that movie is even more extreme where they're using order to justify, you know, all these crazy murders. Right, but you can tell that Edgar Wright is a huge fan of like that. That idea of personal freedom rather than conformity. Um. There's yeah, there's and... something that the characters repeat uh, in Hot Fuzz and World's End. It's different phrases in both movies, but it's a repetition thing that's meant to like drive home that cult like mentality. Sorry, what but were you gonna say?
0: That's a motif of each. Can you can you find what what it is that they say? What I was gonna say is that. Um, all of the movies don't necessarily leave you with like the best feeling in the world as far as the character, because as you said, the the main character hasn't necessarily come to grips with moving on or letting go or, um, what have you. So like for that character, it's not necessarily, um, it, it's, it's not necessarily like the best feeling that you have at the end of the movie. Um, but the movie itself, like the whole on the whole, leaves you with a, a solid feeling, I would say.
1: <clears throat> I I can't find the quotes like immediately, so I'm not gonna bother searching for them.
0: It's all good. Um yeah, I I I mean, I, I definitely think that the the former two are more rewatchable than the the latter uh world's end but that doesn't take away the enjoyment that you get out of of all of them
1: well each one goes off the rails progressively more as they go like Mm -hmm. each one starts off with an insanely tight script and very tight direction and gets looser as it goes along which is certainly like intentional I think it just doesn't work as well by the world's end because the like if the ending of Hot Fuzz is a little bit off the rails and feels rushed like in the conclusion, the world's end is even more extreme, for sure. Because the I, and part of that is like you know they're drinking the whole time, so that is just a fun element to having like a pub crawl movie. Um, uh, but the like ending epilogue thing with they're like talking around the fire or whatever is uh.
0: I just don't remember that at all. think I blocked mm-hmm. that out, thankfully.
1: It just doesn't have anything to do with the rest of them, like any of the motifs or themes. Mm-hmm. Or like the emotional core of the movie, because as much as like the Nick Frost and Simon Pegg character resolve their issues together, adding that the rest of that on doesn't really do anything.
0: I think these three or this trilogy alone is is a very, very strong exemplar of how to pay pay an homage to a genre and pay an homage to directors while also accomplishing something more like like creating something in your own space. Mm -hmm. And that that I believe is is why people herald these movies and continue to revisit them or or and when people do discover this trilogy, they really enjoy them so much.
1: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I mean, there's clear. Uh, like hot Fuzz, we listed a ton of action movies, Shaun of the Dead. Obviously, Romero's films had a huge influence. Uh, I can't think of any specific rom-coms that it would have been referencing, but a lot of those are so generic that it's not like there's any one in particular that exemplifies the. Uh, it's just like protagonist needs to move on from old friend to be with woman.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just the tropes of like every com that it uses and plays with.
1: World's End is, I mean, we didn't really mention any movies. Invasion of the Body Snatchers is probably the most obvious one that comes to mind.
0: Right, vaguely um, like War of the Worlds or some, something along those lines, maybe?
1: Yeah just yeah like other exactly alien invasion movies there's I mean all the fight scenes are really funny they're almost like drunken master or something (laughs) yeah I guess that's true but this is less like they get drunk and use kung fu as it is just like drinking gives me courage which is that thing the (sighs) gift you had for a bit where Nick Frost just rips his shirt off is because there's a scene where Gary King orders shots and they're all like we're not taking these and finally Nick Frost just gives up. He's like, there's no arguing with you. So he just takes six shots. And then he's like, "Fuck." It. oh, <laughs> oh, that's the bet. He hasn't had a drink in 23 years and just rips off all of them. And
0: <laughs> yeah, and anyone that knows anything about drinking, uh, you don't just take two shots or you don't just take three shots and like have have like your brain is working OK or your body suddenly becomes like more strong. Six is like for most people, like you're either going to the hospital or going to bed, uh, like soon, soon after. Obviously, it's a movie, um, but yeah. Um, would you mind if we take a break here? I got to go to the bathroom and then we can finish up the rest.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fine.
0: All right, we'll be right back, everyone.